How about you, Shane? You feeling good? Feeling good. In the neighborhood. In, um, Man, see, see you, I'm gonna you, you took it. What is that? Is that like a McDonald's commercial or some shit? I don't feeling know. Good like in the neighborhood? I think it's eating like good that? in the neighborhood. Oh, no, it's like Applebee's or something. I don't know. Some shitty food place. Yeah, well, we'll go with that. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, my bad if you guys or everybody at this table is a huge, huge Applebee's, Applebee's fan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They did go through a short period where they were booking DJs, which I thought would have been that was unusual. I forgot about that. Wait, yeah. Yeah. what? Is that a real thing? It was yeah. a real thing. I don't like know that they Apple Bees after dark or something. Yeah, and they would bring in a DJ, and it was like apparently still like an Applebee's. That, that's got to be DJ the lowest that, rung on the lo- DJ on ladder. The DJ ladder. The DJ equivalent to busking outside of the dollar <laughs> store. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. the that's the lowest musical rung. I don't know it's though. True. I mean, like it just like. Some white guys dancing? Like, what's wrong with that? Well, Lots okay. Have you guys ever actually like, eaten at an Applebee's? I have. I have. I have. Years, have. years ago. Yeah, I have yeah, like sure. cheese sticks and whatnot. It's, it's like a different Chili's, isn't it? I've only eaten at a Chili's once, so I can. Hmm. Um, which yeah. is recently, and it wasn't great. We should share commiserate. And oh, about our uh, Figure out if they actually are the same. <laughs> the restaurants, yeah. TGI well. Fridays? Have you eaten there? I had chips and salsa there one time. You know I why I went to TGA Fridays? A bar trivia? That's exactly right. Yep. It's, I'm surprised we didn't go together. Aren't they the uh, one that I always does, like, <laughs> the the double a, double appetizers or unlimited appetizers or something? I don't know. I go I go for the flair. I will it. say there was one of those restaurants, and I don't remember which one it was. Maybe it was Chili's. Maybe it was TGI Fridays. But there was one. We sure are giving these one, fuckers. Stay with me. All right. There was one in, a, there was one in an airport somewhere. <laughs> That I was more impressed with than any one of those type of restaurants I've ever been, because I sat down. The guy, the guy, the, guys, the waiter comes up and he's like, "When are you flying out?" And I was like, "I gotta go to Austin at like whatever." It was it was not the Austin airport. And he goes, "Oh yeah, you're on flight 321. You got time." <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit, that guy knows my flight." <laughs> so yeah, he was on top of it. It didn't impress you enough to remember the name of the restaurant. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I didn't awesome know it was going to be called on at a moment's notice to remember the name of that yeah, restaurant. All right. If it's but, yeah. a little bit single white female, kind of a little bit. I got the. A by little. the way, I, I got the hand. Yeah, he didn't show up in my bag. Or anything, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> you get on the plane and he's like, "Okay, let's get out of here." I'm yeah. Shane. Ryan. I'm Mark. I'm Kevin. Somebody likes it. Well, I mean, one thing that occurred to me that I, that I won't get into, just frankly, because I don't know it, are uh, when we did the mixtape show recently, and if yes. you haven't dialed that up, go find it because it's amazing. Um, yep. By the time that you that this episode drops, you will probably know the mixtape show and be talking to everyone, even strangers, about it. Anyway, it's that good. Memes. Yes, memes. So, um, so yeah. So this we we usually talk a little bit about news at the top of the show, and there have been a lot of people that. Passed away, and there were some like we, we had a lot. We had a big hiatus. Carol Channing. Oh, Carol Channing. Yeah, you just ruined That's the one thing oh, I wanted I'm to talk sorry. about. I, I wanted sorry. to talk about how only well, the good let, die young. Let's let him finish, and then we can. Well, and it's really my thing could go after that, but I'll just tell you right quick. 
because we're going to talk about who we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I was in, uh, while we were on hiatus, I was in JFK Airport in New York in November. And uh, they kept paging Jonathan Richmond over the PA. <laughs> like, <laughs> you told me that. Yeah. And do we know if it's the Jonathan I, Richmond? Well, so here's the thing. It was like not that long after that that you sent me an article about, I think it was you that sent me the article, about he, he apparently has moved up to Maine. And like lives in some small town in Maine. Yeah, and, uh, that's a very that's Jonathan Richmond thing I was to gonna do. say that sounds very fitting. It's very, but, but he was essentially like an acolyte or fanboy. Fanboy's not even right the right word, but like kind of the mascot of the band that we're gonna cover tonight. Well, yeah, he so ended just up like like crashing in their manager's apartment. Yeah. Anyway, we we can talk about all that, but I just wanted to put that out there. That wasn't when when I was in JFK Airport. That he had a lost Jonathan Richmond had a lost item, and I was like, "Oh my God, what could it be? Come back on!" And they never did. They just kept paging him over and over again. So, anyway, maybe they should have tried Maine. Maybe. Yeah. What Shame. was it? Been like a, like a twelve string ukulele or something? That I don't. It was like one been. snare drum. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's part of an old uh, whatever uh, synthesizer. Just a part. Yeah. Picture of his parents. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like a print he of a Pablo Picasso. On the plane. Yeah. yeah. A roadrunner. Oh, <laughs> I was just kidding with you, but I, I just wanted to pull out the old shop. Or, you know, Carol Channing died uh, last weekend. Famously, Hello, Dolly, and many other musicals. Diamonds are girls' best friend. Oh, was no, that Carol that Channing? that wasn't her. Well, she had, and like, the definitive oh. version, version of it. Oh, really? I thought that was Marilyn Monroe. I thought that was Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe did do it. But uh, Carol Channing had the whole diamond Jerry girls. Oh anyway, I'm not going to go any further wow, than that. that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> wow, I know. Why did well, somebody was like the ghost of Carol Channing was just in just this visited room. us? Yeah, Whoa. you know, from the great beyond, she's like, "Hey, I'll watch this. I'm going to totally screw <laughs> this podcast up." Um, and much like, much like James, <laughs> she doesn't need help. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're like, we got it. We got. Hang on, just lay back. We can screw Carol, up we'll, all yeah. on our own. Yeah. yeah it's um, did we talk about? Super Dave last week? Yeah, we did. We did. Okay. Briefly. Or did we? Yes, we, we did. We talked I about it on chat. I don't think we actually No, we, ta we did. We did. did. We, we talked talk about it. it. Yeah. In the podcast. It got mentioned just for a second when we were like doing like a oh. brief. Okay, well, we don't have to go into it again. He's still dead. Still but dead. I mean, yeah. Pete uh, Shelley from Buzzcocks. I don't think we mentioned that. Uh, that's another one like that flame burned out quickly like James Dean. Um, well, he was 60 something. Yeah, I know. All right, I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> I'm just happy I finally I did get to see the Buzzcocks like 15 years ago, and they were fantastic. And he was perfectly healthy and hale at the time. So well, that sounds amazing. That's a, that's a great band. Anyway, that's not who we're going to talk about this evening. No, it's not. Mark, you want to tee well, this one up? So there's a lot of buzz about this band. There always has been for whatever, 30, 40, 50 years or so now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so many bands that, that count this among uh, their, their influence and their reason for becoming, uh, you know, musicians or whatever. Um, so I thought, you know, wh why don't we do one of these albums? And I picked the third album by The Velvet Underground, uh, which is their eponymous album. And... Um, a bit of a departure from what I was used to from the Velvet Underground. 
Yeah. Imagine how they felt. Well, yeah. Yeah. They felt pretty good about it, actually. It it sounded to me like they were trying to start, like, after, like, how abrasive the the last one, especially. And, the, you know, a really telling thing for me is if you did you guys listen to any of the live tracks, the live in San Francisco tracks? I did not. not. No. Okay. The very first track kind of was a summation for me of what this album was in a lot of ways. Not the whole thing. But it was sort of like an attempt to kind of get in on the California, San Francisco, Grateful Dead slash Jefferson Airplane vibe. And if you listen to that, that, you can hear that, that, that version of I'm your, uh, Waiting on My Man, yeah. it's sounds, it sounds like a co- the Grateful Dead covering the Velvet Underground kind of. Um, and not a b- it's not bad. It's yeah. just you can tell that that's kind of what they were. That was kind of that was the zeitgeist at the moment. Um, and just to, to clarify, we... Uh, Shane's talking about the 45th anniversary re-release of this album uh, that also included uh, some live tracks tacked onto the end. Lots of extra tracks. Yeah, lots of that. extra tracks. Yeah, it runs about two hours long in total. Yeah, that was. Uh, I only listened to like the first two. Or was three. The actually, it's as long as the entire span of their career in real time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What two Crazy. hours? No, it years. It takes years to get through it. Oh, they right, went together right. what, like six years or something? Maybe uh, it was very if short. That. I mean, they 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 count their career going all the way into the recent it was like years. Like mid sixties through early. There was 70s. a big hiatus. Well, there I mean, his like first album was sixty seven, sixty eight. There was one, and then this one is sixty nine. I think there was one or two after that. There were. There were this album came out in sixty nine. Yeah. Um, I will say this about this record. Um, Two two things from from friends of mine. Um, two different quotes. Lars Gorenson has often said, and I, and I think that this fully applies to the Velvet Underground personally, is that there are some bands that are in dire need of a greatest hits album. They've got one. I know, and it's great. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it the is. only good album they ever put out. It's the only record I've ever heard of theirs before this week. Yeah, and uh, and the other one is that uh, my my friend Noah Litt, who I know through Lars. Also, um, I, I, this is a kind of a summation of what I felt about this. And don't get me wrong, their greatest hits record, it's fucking great. There's great, none of them were hits, but there are great songs on it. Uh, it's a best of compilation. Yes, okay, fine. Um, he said one time, he was like, you know, I hate Pink Floyd, but I love a lot of bands that Pink Floyd influenced. And that's kind of how I feel ultimately about the great, I mean, the Grateful Dead, <laughs> uh, the Velvet Underground. Um, this and the especially this record, it starts and ends with two incredible songs. Agreed. And I don't know what the fuck is going on in the rest of it. Like, there's one the second song, what goes on? No pun intended. What I just said. That's a pretty good song too. That's another Grateful Dead sounding kind of song. Yeah. Um, and then in the there's rest a few of it, on here that actually I felt that Grateful kinda Dead kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty good song. The first song and the last song are brilliant. Coincidentally, they were both. Not written and not sung by Lou <laughs> Reed. By Lou Reed, right. Um, other than that, I don't think I need any of the ever listen to anything in the middle ever again, personally. I like it better than that, but that's um, not a that's not a s- swinging for the fence vote of confidence. No, I mean, there's a couple that are d- decent. The Pale Blue Eyes is is pretty good, but does it need to be well, six minutes long? Exactly. Every single song on this album doesn't need to be as long as it is, except for maybe the last song. That song could be like eight times as long. Maybe. Do you think that that's because, you know, the 
the previous record was full of like squall and bombast, and then the idea that this is like this is them. This is like one of the, the analogies. The pretty that, album. One of one of the analogies that I read was that like this is like this is like the other one is like the the intensity of like the the you know for lack of a better term like the the party scene at the factory, and then this record is like. You wake up hungover and your shit's all over the place. Yeah, it's the and antithesis, it, I, and, it, and it it's is. like, yeah, and it's the and it's all of that like regret that you have. Although it, it, it did seem like they were just trying to be quieter. Well, I mean, it's unfortunately it was like they had the they wrote the better songs when they were all fucked up and partying, and then when they came down hungover with remorse, they didn't spend any time to write any fucking songs, you know, in the middle or or rehearse. By the way, well, let, let nobody is ever going to pick the band that recorded this record as a tight knit, oh, well yeah. rehearsed, yeah. super band. tight. Yeah, no, uh, but I do think they were full of hubris, and I think that it's totally possible that these songs could be quiet and restrained and still overindulgent and too fucking long. Like, well, yeah, this, this is not very. This good. marked a lot of changes for them too. This is. Uh, the first album after John Cale left. Uh, it's also the first album for MGM, so they had left Verve Records at this point, uh, which, you know, wasn't a great experience for them. Neither was the whole thing with Andy Warhol, as I'm led to understand. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, I'm sure. But I'm sure this was a big change for them. So in a way, kind of makes sense that they would they would depart so far from their previous sound i just wish the songs had been more solid i mean there's a lot of like it there's a couple of songs especially i can't remember the name of it but the third one the one that comes after what goes on some kind of love boy that's when the fucking album just complete i when i was listening to it mark mark sent us a a, do you mind if i no that's fine go ahead mark sent us all group text earlier today like this afternoon the day of recording he's like is it too late to Pick a different album. Pick a different record. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, when I was, I had, uh, p- I usually don't put things off this f- far. Like I listen to it today. I always listen to it at least twice, but I usually listen to it like the the day after I get it, and then the day of again. Um, and I was walking my dogs, and that song came on, and I was like, I can hear the point where Mark pulls out his phone <laughs> to start like texting us that because. Man, that's an awful, truly awful song. So I gave this album three runs through, and I will say that the third run through, literally, I started to connect with it a little bit. That was after I sent that uh, text. Yeah. yeah. Like, I actually started start to kind of feel cans? like there's some gems in here, but like you say, Shane, they're just not polished. Yeah, there's a couple in there. You could take, like I said, Pale Blue Eyes, if you took that song, cut it in half, and like kind of just... Pl- polished up a little bit like it feels like uh there's a i mean there there's i don't know there's that's the story of my life which um by the way it's got to be mentioned uh that's the end song of uh or the end line of half a person by the smiths um that's the story of my life and it sounds like it there's no way they didn't get it from from that velvet underground song can i can and I it was my that was my that was my reason t- that was my uh, daily Mention for you, oh, the Smiths. Kevin. Oh, it, God! I wish I'd have been paying attention. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I I do feel compelled to share at least a snippet from the sprawling, aimless Lester Bangs review. Shocker! <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He says, he says 
The songs on this album are equally are about equally divided between the subjects of love and freedom. So many of them are about love and fact that one wonders if Lou Reed, the male the malevolent Barosian uh, death dwarf who had previously never written a complimentary song about anybody, has not himself fallen in love. <laughs> well, he <laughs> married uh, was it Laurie Anderson? Uh, like that was per- way later. Well, yeah, that was later. Like twenty but years like later, he was capable of it. I mean, he was a, a legendary mis- no, but he, misanthrope. But, but, but he's but right. I mean, he does have a he does. He, but even though, uh, like, uh, pale blue eyes. Even though that song is ostensibly about love, in there he's like talking about how much he loves her and hates her at the same time. Yeah. So there's still some misanthropic. So it's the flip side of the coin, the dark. Well, we should dark listen side. to a song. Uh, well, Mark, you got something queued up? I would. I know that this. This song really kind of caps off the album really well, and Shane's already mentioned that the last song on this album is one of the best. Oh, it's golden. I'd like to start with that one because I think, for me, After Hours is probably the best song on here. One, two, three. If you close the door, the night could last forever. Leave the sun shine out. Say hello to never All the people are dancing And they're having such fun I wish it could happen to me But if you close the door I'd never have to see the day again So interestingly enough This was not the first time I was uh, I have been exposed to this song um, Because it's I one of those things that, like, you feel like you've just known it your whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I've that seen this, it in stuff too. this is probably the most covered song on this album. Um, well, I've definitely this, heard REM do it. Yeah. Uh, so REM has done it. Um, we had a whole list here. Let's see. A bunch see. of people. Bunch of people did it. Yeah. Um, but I was familiar with it from Rilo Kiley, uh, one of Jenny Lewis's uh, outfits. And not really one of that was her that was her outfits. band that was her well, band prior yeah. to going solo right, um, which I I love their uh, their version of it. Maybe I'll play a little clip right here. Maybe I won't. Well, we'll see. Anyway, um, <laughs> mark that off your bingo card. There you go. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, no, that's just a timeless little pop trifle. Yep. That that kind of doesn't fit anywhere else in the record. Like, no wonder they put, <laughs> no, they, they put well, it as the last the song. Canon, the songs about, like, fucking being strung out on heroin. And Lou Reed did write this song, which... Oh, he did. Yeah, he did write it. And he just felt that uh, it was so innocent and pure that he couldn't possibly sing it sing himself. Sing it himself. So, so he asked Mo to sing it. Um, Lou Reed. Mo yeah. Tucker. That's a guy Mo that Tucker. everybody loved. That You know what? They had a female drummer before anybody else did. Like that that was like there were a lot of things like trailblazing the scenes that were trailblazing and cool about what they did. But, you know, trailblazing and cool isn't always translate. Well, to it tells you 50 about years later. It tells you about 30,000 copies of a record, but doesn't hey, this this <laughs> record sold two hundred and ten thousand copies. Is that right? That's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> I, I have told this story a couple of times, so I'll kind of just cut around it, like do the do the stamp version. Um but uh, but I do when we when we were going to cover this record, I did uh, harken back to 
the time that we sat in Lou Reed's seats at a South By show and the booker said, if he shows up, you have to go. And I really wanted him to show up and throw us out. But he did not. And so we just sat there and watched it. It was lovely. In Lou Reed's seat? Yes, in Lou Reed's seat. And we who sat, are you? Wait, who were you watching? Um, it was a South By showcase from oh, some right. new club or whatever. And we, and we had... Uh, we had special circumstances, and so we had really good seats right by the stage. Uh, and they just said, if Lou Reed shows up, you have to go. But we ended up sitting next to, um, and I told this story before, and this is already too much, but uh, uh, um, oh, Ben Harper. David well, Lindman. Ben Harper was one. We sat yeah. next to Ben Harper, and then the other one was uh, um, Jared Leto. Santana, Santana's kid was Sal Santana. Uh, who plays keyboards in Santana's band? And well, that's uh, it is super obscure, nice and not that interesting. But that Wolfgang happened. Van Halen of that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that band, kind of. Well, yeah. the the story that I told before was that they that Santana and his son pl- at the when the Giants were in the World Series last did the national anthem once together, like as a duet, and it was just Santana and his guitar, and then like his son's elbow, and I was like, oh, I know that elbow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Small anyway, world, man. Yeah, it was. I aspire <laughs> to own my own music venue sometime, just yeah. so I can reserve some seats up front for Lou just Reed. For, for, for Lou Reed? Yeah. You can show here, but these are Lou Reed seats, bubble. and if he shows up, you got to give him up. If he yeah. shows up, this place is... <laughs> you're doing something really terrific. Anyway. Um, but no, I thought, I thought it was a charming record, and I danced a lot during listening to all of the tracks here. Especially Pale Blue Eyes. I, th- I was like, that is a, a ditty that I can't get enough of, and I just have to play it seven times in a row. Well, I, I think I think what you can credit this band I'm with is really like confused how by freaking influential they are. Because like two of, of my favorite yeah. bands, R.E.M. and Yolo Tango, neither of them would exist, or at least in their current form, if not for this band. So no, and and in fairness, that. I'm you know I'm I'm cracking wise, but in in fairness, like. You know, I, I think their their influence and position of influence is so well documented and has been so well, it's like a cliche. It's now. A, it is well, a that, that everybody like, right. who heard the first record, heard well. only a hundred people bought it, but hundred ninety nine per- percent yeah. of them got a band. <laughs> yeah. Are you <laughs> telling this story while running a tackle shop? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, got, I've got like one of those. Hang on, with like, see what you want to do <laughs> is you need to go down if here. If you want to start a band, first thing you need to do is go buy a David Underground record. <laughs> and I'm, while I'm fishing, like out of the boat, I want you to, at your next show do all your between song banter in that voice. Do it like that. Yeah. Here's this another is, little. This, is this free one goes for like you, this, ladies and gentlemen. Listening yeah, audience, yeah, maybe we you have give to that to you. Pay for that shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I stand by what I said earlier about Pink Floyd, like about what Noah said, because like whether or not you like Pink so Floyd. So what are you referring to, like Radiohead? What well, I mean, no, I mean any of the shoegaze bands. I mean any yeah. of Britpop in the '90s. Like, I mean, all, like the Verve. I mean, like, like with like big. If you go and listen to Dark Side of the Moon, and then come back and, and think about like how it translates to. You know, music coming out of Britain and I don't, I don't want to uh, quote Kevin too much here, but like to sidebar, but like I just think the Verve is like the saddest story in rock music ever. What? Like, because their one huge hit, they didn't make they any money. They didn't from make it? any money off of. They got sued by the biggest band in the world. No, it wasn't them actually. 
It was the guy that owned their catalog, their former manager that already had stolen that catalog from the Rolling Stones. Oh, is that right? He had their publishing for uh-huh. that? And he uh, he already had their publishing. And it, it wasn't so, even, so they didn't he, even sample it from a Stone song. It, it was just from a live be, version. It yeah. was from a live... It was from a, an, an orchestral version. No, it was from a live version that they had, like... If I'm not mistaken, that they had strings written. I'm pretty sure it was an orchestra that was doing it. But anyway, like they didn't get a fucking dime off that. No, and the, and the Stones didn't get, you know, not that they fucking need the money now, but I mean, a lot of that early catalog, like I don't know when it stops, but that motherfucker owned all of it. Wow. So, yeehaw! Yeah. Music business! Publishing, <laughs> bitches. Well, so, Lou Reed's probably his most famous song. I don't know, maybe... Take I'm a walk on the wild side. here. Take a walk on the wild side. Um, that's definitely his best song. That's, that's his definitely his best song. Biggest hit for sure. Yeah, it's his um, only top ten. Didn't it go to number one? It went high up on the charts. Yeah. So, um, so as it is, he actually wrote a sequel to that song. Was it a sequel? Well, it's it 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 features the same character. Right. It features the same character, and that's yeah. the first song of this Candy album, Candy Darling. I fucking love this song so much. I think it's gorgeous. I, I, it's the only Lou Reed song I've ever learned. Don't know it now. I can play it on the wax comb. You can play it on the what? On a wax comb. A wax comb? Yes. Can you play it on a juice harp? No, because I can't make that work. I can't do that. What was that? Uh, was, your, was your phone trying phone to play it? Off. Yes. Your, your phone like, picked up on that and just tried yeah. to play it itself? Uh, you want to do? You want to listen to that? Yeah, let's listen to Candy Says. That's all right. That's a good one. Candy says, I've come to hate my body and all that it requires in this from the pitchfork take on this said from the very first second the velvet underground everything about the group had changed from where they left off with the uh, squall of white light white heat sister ray reed and sterling morrison's amp settings were dialed down from 11 to 1 mo tucker's thundering thump was softened to a breezy brush snare sway and reed's ding dong suckering snarl his words uh, were replaced by melancholic whisper of kale's successor doug yule and this one is what i thought was kind of funny he said, it's like returning from a holiday only to find your rat-infested apartment building had been burned down and replaced with a white picket fence bungalow. And even though the song Yule was crooning, Candy Says marked Reed's first explicit character reference to the Warhol factory scene that had birthed the band, it ultimately underscored the Velvet's increasing remove from his hazy decadence, a dis- uh, devastatingly intimate portrait of then-transitioning factory regular Candy Darling, Candy Says, 
is the sober soundtrack for that inevitable moment when we're all tomorrow's parties turn into a morning after makeup smeared self-loathing introspection, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Uh, dude, well okay, put. so I I don't know the math on this, but like it sounds like an Elliot Smith song, and maybe that's no, just it totally his, does. His, yeah, his vocals or whatever, and that's probably why you learned it, Shane. Uh, no, I got hired to do a Velvet Underground Hoot Night, and I listened to a bunch of songs, and that's the one I like the best. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with it, for damn sure. I don't see the Elliot Smith. He uh, sounds like him to me uh, quite a bit. And, 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 you know, Doug Ewell? You know, yeah, Doug well, This Ewell, song to like me doesn't sound like Elliot Smith. No, I'll I'll have to I guess Elliot vocally Smith. I can see the connection. I'll have to think about that. Um, it definitely, it's like. Well, you get back to us on that. Oh, uh, yeah, right now I'm already digging into it. <laughs> No, not really. Like I've got a cord in my hand and a mic in the other hand. You have two cords in your hands. I do have two cords in my hand. Yeah, thank you. And the truth. <laughs> and the truth. Uh, uh, isn't that? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it properly <laughs> two, three cords? Two in yeah. cords in the truth. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm three quarters of the Good way night, to everybody. Bono. <laughs> Wait, I guess I guess two thir- two quarters of the way to Bono because I don't have the truth and I only have two cords. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're or maybe you there. can find another cord for resale. Life goals, like Shane. That's a good song, though. Don't you? Th- I mean, it's beautiful. It's it's very pretty. It's melancholy. It's, it's very gorgeous, pretty and, and it's it's in stark contrast to much of their catalog. It, that's true. Uh, it's it's definitely like if you were if you were watching a movie, and the movie you're watching like Friday the Thirteenth. If you're watching like Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> and it ends on a cliffhanger, and then the next movie is Paddington Two, <laughs> and that's just how it starts right away. <laughs> you know, like. It's a little bit, you know, if you look at it in those terms, but it's abrupt. The creative Alamo Draft Perha- House double <laughs> feature. That's that's a great idea. I should start selling, trying to sell them on ideas like that. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like let's do Frenetic. this movie, and then that. Yeah, like let's do a Wes Anderson movie, and then then and then the next movie will be like Predator. Well, I do think the uh, SNL sketch. Um, what was oh, it? Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson brings you uh, yeah, his yeah, horror film. What was it? Uh, the the Midnight Coterie of Sinister Intruders. That's <laughs> that's one of the good ones, my friend. Yeah, yeah. one of the good ones. Everybody. Oh, Kidoki, Smokey. Right. Let's. Uh, uh, yeah, who's I'm got middle? Well, Ryan's got, got it tonight. I've got middle, but I'm gonna go have half a cigarette first. So. All right. Yeah. Then nobody needs to know that because as soon as you say you've got middle, then we play the middle music. That's all right. We'll just play the intermission music. As long as it takes him to, it to, s- to have half a, half a cigarette. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Four, three, two, one, go. So I've got middle of this week, and I want to do something a little bit different. Is it Blueberry Hill? Close. That's Domino. Real close. Oh. Uh, I actually want to um, do a cover of one of the songs on this record um, with the with your with your band. Is w- yes, I, I just started up tonight. Uh, no, but the reason that I went out and bought the best of compilation is because REM would never shut up about this band, and their cover of Pale Blue Eyes, I would argue, is better uh, than the actual Velvet Underground version. So let's dial that up and uh, discuss further. Sometimes I feel so happy Sometimes I feel so sad Sometimes I feel just about everything Lately I'm just feeling bad 
Uh, two things. That is undeniably better than the Velvet Underground version of that song. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I the think se- so. And the, yeah, so much better. The second thing was, and I know I said this more than once before when we were talking about it, if you just cut that song in half, it'll be so much of a better song. Well, you, you know what the REM version doesn't do? Linger on. That's true. But but <laughs> let, j- let me just, you're right about that, Ryan. Go over here. Let's yeah. T- yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the Velvet Underground version of that song is five minutes and 49 seconds long. That one's three minutes long. Perfect. Almost exactly half. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. And it was my, actually, introduction to Velvet Underground. I was like, oh, this, you know, I should investigate further. And much, much better song. Much better yeah, version of that song. It turns out they're a more complicated it, band. You know what? That, that reminds me of, I've said this before, there was an album that came out like in the early uh, 90s called Dedicated that I bought for my roommate and it's one like of my good friends, Chris. better versions of Grateful yeah, Dead songs. Yeah, when you listen to the, it's like <laughs> Dwight Yoakam, Lyle Lovett, uh, the Indigo Girls, like playing versions of Dead songs, and they're like, shit, these songs are pretty good. Yeah, at their root, like there's, there's, there's something there's there. There's good songs there. <laughs> it's just, you know, a band you don't care for very much, you know, singing it. I just, I just love what R.E.M. did with that, because like it, it, they turn it into like this mournful country tune. Uh, it's very country. Yeah, but yeah, it's very in a good way. I thought in a good way. I don't know anybody else. It was uh, it was a little twangy without being uh, cliche in that sense. And of course, that was this is before, yeah, this is before Michael Stipe caught ballad disease, which so many no, big that ads is, that are, is true. Are, like bands do. Like, but no, it's, it's just like, got like you know uh, Peter Buck. Uh, yeah, stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and it was no, it's just it wasn't got very like polished. Beautiful. It was, not, it was not very polished. There's missed notes no. in there and things like that. Yeah, but that's, well, well, ki- that's pre- keeping with the Velvet Underground, True. too. I'm True. pretty sure that was just like an, an outtake from like them uh, recording a rehearsal. Yeah, it just sounded like a demo. And they were just like kind of screwing around. Uh, but it's got those Peter Buck arpeggios all over it. And like, I'm just a sucker for that. And what are you going to do? You know? What are you going to do? I thought it was, thought it was pretty tasty. <laughs> First, tasty little morsel. I thought a tasty nugget. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little, nice little, uh, uh, you know, aperitif, if you will. Yes, I, I or, feel like we should, we should <laughs> move on. More velvet underground We're losing. What it. is it? A, a moss boot? It's losing. What it's delicious. This is our. This is our. Our. This is our bordating of our uh, music podcast. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, g- uh, good choice, Ryan. Uh, thank uh, you. And uh, departure. Well, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's that's not un- we've done. Stuff it was like that on before. topic for me to bring up our. Oh sure, before, I know. So. I'm just yanking your chain. Well, and I would argue that this album was ripe for picking a, a cover. Sure, and we have done it before. Yes, but have we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we have. Not. Yeah, we've, we've. I can't think off the top of my head when we've done it. But I've I done think it, I've actually done it too. like uh, whatever the, well, the, the top of your Genesis. Head's a little unruly. That's true, tonight. Genesis. It yeah. is yeah. unruly. That's true. All right, shall we get back to? Uh, the item in here. V-U. Si, senor. Another point from the uh, Pitchfork stuff. We're, we're, talk- we're back talking about the Velvet Underground. Uh, and I hadn't really thought about this, but I read this and I was like, oh, yeah, it's totally true. So there is there is a philosophy that some bands have when it comes to releasing 
eponymous records. Some of them do it like it's like the first thing that they put out, like an announcement, like an exclamation point. Some of them like have an entire career, and then it's like you call you you make your eponymous record after you're on the downward arc of your career, so it sounds those are, like a those are are you just put, make it in a different make it color. all like yeah yeah yes. But with the Velvet Underground, they just did it a few times. Like they just kept putting out because there was like well, I there had was to this ask record. Mark, yeah, like to clarify right. because yeah. I was like, Velvet uh, is Underground the one and with Nico. the Warhol banana. That's a different band, Velvet Underground and Nico. Right, like that but, was their but first record. S- but true. But, but, then, still. but then their second yeah. one really isn't their second record because it's not Velvet Underground and Nico. It's just Velvet Underground. Yeah. Which, anyway, by the way, Nico, which is some art the house most shit. amazing like singer of the oh, 20th century. just golden pipes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. On that one. It's just perfect pitch the oh, whole yeah. time. Yeah. Here you just feel like it's... she comes. Oh. You better watch your step. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to play <laughs> you for a fool. <laughs> Again, get you, get no your extra right. charge for you guys. Yeah. yeah. No, you kind of get the feel that it was like one of those deals where they just been watching like 20 hours of those endless uh, fucking Warhol art films. <laughs> oh, boy. Have you ever actually <laughs> tried to watch one of those? A little. I've, I've like, tried. A little. I, c- I couldn't it's, get it's, through it. I've like, tried to watch a couple of them. And like, dude, I. That, that is a definition of hard to watch, man. I was like, I was yeah. like even if you guys it's were the, my friends, the, I wouldn't watch That's this. the definition <laughs> of like, you know, in like, like in the six, like I'm assuming in like the late 60s or something like. Oh, you know, he's an artist because he did it, not actually what he did, ultimately. Because, boy, have you ever tried to watch Sleep, an eight-hour film about a guy sleeping for eight hours? Well, I don't know if it's eight hours film, but it's it's real-time a dude sleeping. I'm, I'm not it's familiar with that. It's but good like, stuff. Yeah, it sounds like an endurance It's test. riveting. <laughs> yeah. For the viewer. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So they, but they did. They but I and I do think that it is stuff like that is indicative of the fact that they started out in this like kind of artsy self-important environment like they just kept putting out putting well, out records with I their mean, name on I, it. to their credit like if you put it in context of it. like what was popular <laughs> at the time like this shit was nothing like was on, well, what was on this record there was oh, a little there bit was a, more. there was a little bit leaning flower leaning into the light and we did talk we did talk during the break about Shane mentioned something about the um, Grateful Dead stuff that we talked about earlier in the show. Once you hear it, you, you can't unhear you it. You can't no, unhear it. It follows you around. And also, I mean, not to. I just watched a Bob Weir documentary. Um, who Bob Weir? For those of you not in the know, what was his side project? Rat Dog. R- <laughs> there was Rat Dog. How did you know that? I don't know how I know when, that. So, so <laughs> all right, all right. Say what you want about the Grateful Dead's music, and I won't say a lot good about it from myself. But boy, has their life. Were their lives they have had to have been interesting? I mean, Jesus Christ! Uh, so I was like, Bob Weir documentary, Lazy Saturday by myself, fucking sign me up. It was fine, but <laughs> but, but it wasn't. It, they didn't two, two word <laughs> review. <laughs> it was or fine. Three. three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but uh, it alluded to certain aspects that you want to know more about. About like number one, the man was a gorgeous man, and and like at one point, every there was like a like a. 45 second montage later in the movie after he's old uh, like talking about like oh Bob was beautiful looking yeah I mean he had all the women all the women were coming to him all the women were this all the women were that you hear that's about as much as you you get no stories from this old dude like anyway whatever so uh, he's very kind man <laughs> he's smoking some weeds so uh, but I will tell you this is that I, I can't stand Jerry Garcia's what 
you, you guys start doing that Rudy stuff and nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Barely even you guys. Well, it's just it's just love for each other. Just, nobody needs just to a know. Little, little it's Rudy's. Anyway, but yeah, to yeah, go ahead. So, so anyway, so so I, I, the the songs by the Grateful Dead that I tend to like more um, are the ones that but Bob Weir sings because I think he has a better voice. And there are some songs in here where I listened to, like when I first heard what goes on, uh, I, I, I well, not first heard, but I heard it on the radio a couple weeks ago, I thought it was a Grateful Dead song. He sounds like he's fucking Bob Weir. He does not sound like he's Lou Reed in that. Like, it, they, they, they moved toward the... Toward this little Grateful Dead thing at the time, you know, at the you know at the time in '69, they, it wasn't like they were like, you know, all their fans were like it seventy-year-old men in in Hawaiian. It might shorts. have been yeah, fucking Bob Weir. We don't know. It might have been. It sounds just like we it. don't know what's what going on. But you think of Velvet Underground's Velvet Underground as as more of like you know shifty. Lower East Side, sure, uh, sure, kind of guys, rather than like granola chewing. I know, but that's hippies. That, that, but see, but that's the interesting thing. Like if you if you listen to "I'm Waiting for My Man" off of White Lightweight Heat, it's like that's that. But if you listen to "I'm Waiting for My Man" off of off of this live version in San Francisco the same year, it's like, oh shit, they were trying to be the fucking Grateful Dead for a minute there. It obviously it, did not work out. Maybe there's some of the, the same drugs in the twain. I'm not sure. No, the there's Grateful Dead diagram. at the time were like the zeitgeist of what was going on. You know, like, yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, it's, it's 69, like Summer of Love, like fucking Woodstock, shit like that. I mean, that's why if you were like 23, 24 years old, I mean, you weren't trying to be like, fuck you. You know, ba- it wasn't like how everybody has a micro, you know, well, like I'm a, into this band, well, and, but a, a only a bunch of bands like put out disco records in the late '70s that like otherwise didn't. You like. know, it would be great if they put out a disco record. Like I, w- I would pay a many dollars to 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 purchase it, not just stream it. Metallica. I would listen to that if Metallica put out a disc. Somebody out there needs to go and and do a Metallica disco you know, match. I, you know, I Me- met Lars once, and. Uh, he well, there you go. You've got an in. Yeah, totally. Yeah, can you, can, did he give him your number? Like, just call him. I've but got a great idea for you, dude. Yeah. Don't hang the, up. By the way, he's he's very short, and it did not stop him from picking up um, two women at the same time. Shocker. Yeah. Mark, what you got for the last one? Well, so I could go a couple of directions here, and we've talked about we this. We discussed that. We could We could do something that's still kind of a decent song, or we could just jump off the cliff and and pick something that's just excruciating to get through. I'm going to do the former. Um, there's a couple of songs left that I kind of enjoyed, and I'd like us to listen to I'm Set Free.
it's like I feel like this is the the only like normal song on the album. Well, sorts. you mean normal for Velvet Underground? Well, no, uh, like normal in relation to like the music that was coming out of bands at the time. I think it sounds like if you took the song Heroin and tried to make it pretty. Uh, oh yeah. No, I could see. I could see we say that. That t- it sounds to me like um, what we were saying, what I was saying before about like bands influenced by in 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 England, like influenced by like Pink Floyd. This is the other side, like Space Your Spaceman Three, Your Spiritualized. You know, like mm-hmm. from that period of time in the nineties. Great. That's a great song. There's good stuff going on there. Totally forgot about that. I feel like everything on this record is like just slightly flat. Like, tonally, like flat. Like uh, it feels like they they like didn't down tuned on purpose. I don't think they did it on purpose. To me, it sounds like they were like, "Let's hurry! We have a limited time in the studio. Let's go ahead and do it now." And then like they hadn't tuned they up fully. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, yeah. next song. And they just ran through it once. <laughs> the next song. If you listen to the like Candy says that the first song on the record, we listened to it. Uh, there's that stuff, and like nobody's really in time for couple of different parts of that song and then they do like a Beatles like three-part harmony on the way out for the last like 30 45 seconds except like somebody keeps blowing the harmony like two out of the four times they do it like I don't think it's on purpose you could be right oh I do think says is there uh wanna because there's Stephanie says Stephanie says Lisa says oh Lisa uh, says yeah Candy says like that's like their thing that they do I don't know uh, wanna? Yeah, the Ramones. Oh, oh, right. I was gonna That's say like all I want to do is make word. love to you, but that was, which is a song that was written by Heart, not the Ramones. But could you imagine if if the Ramones had covered that Heart song? What song? All I want to do is make love to you. We did this on the, oh, on the show a couple yeah. of years ago. That was a story song. Yeah, it's uh, good stuff. They had one yeah. night, and and he found her in a rainy motel one night That's or something. Great video. No. Amazing. The thing I can't, I can't quite shake, is I wonder how much of the, and w- we may never know, but I wonder how much of the just like getting to the middle of a tootsie roll pop. Stay with me. Uh, I, w- we, I wonder how much the Velvet Underground career, like their arc, was determined by the fact that they were essentially their first two records came out on a jazz imprint, which kind of makes sense if you're talking about the. Sort of the like weird and off kilter, and like yeah, you know, that's kind of where jazz lives. Sure. Well, uh, and at that, you know, around that, you know, not not far from that time is where you know things are really like even jazz is like kind of straying from its roots at that point. But but then you know with this record they move over to MGM, with which is the parent company of Verve where they were, and so I can understand the idea that you go maybe you go quieter or you feel like you could do something that is a departure from the first two records but or you know the most recent two but also um i don't know i i just i just wonder if the dynamic of of being on a jazz imprint had something to do with the fact that they were and they didn't, they didn't it, particularly it's sell a that much well. bigger label i mean like mgm like a much more mainstream right like so for you, sure. would, you would think that that's that's probably it. that's probably the you know the parent label going okay here's your real chance to try and do something but or you know move units I guess I don't know but there's I don't know. there's got to be something to be said for like even people that were iconoclasts like at that at that period of time 
it, like even the shit that we like laugh about, like, you know, whatever Quicksilver Messenger and, you know, Grateful Dead and all. Of that. I mean, those were like crazy doing crazy. Now, now it, it's all cliched, you know, Jefferson right. Airplane and stuff like that. But they really were doing like some crazy ass shit at the time. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't have been like a far out idea for uh, Lou Reed to like incorporated some of that and just wanted to try something new. There could have been that, too. We're looking at it from different lenses. So I Walk mean, on the Wild Side, that was after this, right? That yeah, was that was like, in like three 70, years after. 72 like or 73. Yeah. And like, I mean, it talks about oral sex in that, and it was a single. It wasn't um, just a single. It was a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It's crazy to me. Like, like there, that dude did not have a normal it's career. Co- it's coded, trajectory. you know. But it's coded. It's not like, yeah. it's it's not overt. In yeah. By any means. I mean, it says giving head in it. Yeah, um, but it's in a. It's it's in a way that like even when I was a kid, like when I thought it was salacious, like I was like, but is that really what it mean? Like, could be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't too bad of a record, Mark. There were some definitely crazy high points. Well, and you always like there were some low points. In yes, it. they established a baseline. Um, in more ways than one, yes, I guess. More ways than one. Yeah, but anyway, that was um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun, fun uh, listen. And you and I always come in, especially these that are really dated. It's like I sort of go in with a certain set of expectations, and they're always I always come out the other side different, <laughs> like an opinionated uh, car wash. I don't even know what that means. I Go don't ahead. know what that means. Opinionated car wash. Yeah, yeah. It came out on my the other uh, side. It's I'll take I'll take terrible. My strawberry alarm for. clock uh, cover band. So it was an opinionated <laughs> car wash. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Good idea. They yeah. want to tour together. Okay, let's, let's, do let's do something current. All right, current events. I've got uh, Theta Jewel. Let's do it. So therein lies the problem, just what I said before we were going out. Um, for mo- I love this song, and for months I've been trying to figure out who did it, and I thought their name was Theta Jewel, but it's Zeta with a Z, not with a T. Um, so, yeah, and I know that that breaks uh, kind of a, a long-standing, um, unwritten, maybe... Oh, well, where you get just the names of things wrong? No, where we don't do bands from Austin, and that group is from Austin. So is that right? We tend uh, all I kept oh, thinking great. was, like, uh, this is the time on Sprockets when we dance... Like and didn't you at some point want to like do a show like about like eight bit like video game music? Mm-hmm, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this sounds like to me. I just think the Coke is great. I think it's yeah, I like enjoyed it. yeah, it's, it's a decent it's song. It's it's also really pre- like it's right at this time. I mean, the whole song is basically about a creepy dude hitting on her at a bar, 
and like all the shit that he's saying and like is that the the spy versus spy guy like is that what he's supposed to represent the guy i don't know the weird mask uh, I thing have, i don't know i don't i wasn't reading anything into the video necessarily other than the spider that one time um but yeah i mean you know it is what it is but i think the hook is great i think it's weird and i think it fucking has a great like that that the the chorus part of it, like, it's super, super catchy, especially, like, the second time you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you hear it, it's like, with that vocoder and stuff, and you hear it the second time, you're like, oh, my God, this, I will never get this song out of my head. Like, the hook is killer. In Pitching. my opinion. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that's, that, that's that hook still in there? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, careful. Well, careful with that. That was that was a figure of speech. Like it's not, it's not. You don't really have a hook. It's not a hook, and it's and 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 it's a it's a you know songwriting hook, and it won't actually be in there forever. Okay, because otherwise you should seek some medical attention. If it's in there for more than four hours. Well, sure. Yeah, or if you're picking up radio station, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So I am. So for uh, for next week's record, I am. um, I'm. Narrowed my selections down to a couple of choices, but I haven't chosen which one yet. So I'm not going to reveal just yet what we're what we're gonna do. But it will be different than what we listen to here. Well, I, I would hope you wouldn't put, pick the same record. <laughs> it would, it would, would be, be. I would actually. I, I, I kind of wouldn't. I kind of wouldn't put him past it if he but did. Do you guys, have you guys ever heard of the Velvet Underground? Because uh, yeah. we're gonna do their third. Self-titled record, <laughs> just over and over. The again. one where the band is sitting on a dirty sofa. <laughs> exactly. Sounds By the way, right. that's a shot at the factory, and <laughs> so like the fact that like that was supposed to be like the 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 you know the the antenna for all that was cool. And Mark only refers to that album cover as the one with the dirty sofa. It was dingy, <laughs> I think you said. It wasn't I don't even remember. Dingy yeah. sofa, but yeah. But like, you got Okay, yeah. Now, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll get back at it next go around, but in the meantime, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Mark. I'm Shane. This is Somebody Likes It. <laughs>